Welcome to the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, my friend and your other host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing this fine, fine evening? Man, it is a thrilling evening. We've got two hat tricks already. We've got a goalie carousel going, taking place. Uh, just a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Uh, very intrigued to see where the rest of the night takes us. I'm curious to hear, uh, I feel like, you know, you and I were dead in the middle of this, but I think when people hear a goalie carousel taking place, they're probably going to first think, what do, you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Oh, so in Washington, they have flipped back and forth between Samsonov and Vanacek several times. Uh, my initial guess is that we are dealing with a gastrointestinal situation, but I will wait until we find out more information. This news may be very old by the time you're hearing the pod. <laughs> That's right. And so, of course, we are the Short Shifts podcast, the twice-weekly between-mega show, episodes of Keeping Carlson, podcast to keep you up to date on all of the happenings across the fantasy hockey world, the, the fantasy hockey cinematic universe. And Lewis, there's no other place that we can start than in Vegas tonight, where Jack Eichel, uh, I don't know if he's landing, he's landed, but Jack Eichel is heading to Sin City, our long national nightmare is over. Jack Eichel has been traded along with a third round pick in 2023 in exchange for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a top 10 protected 2022 first and a second in 2023. Uh, Eichel is now slated to undergo artificial disc replacement. He will return sometime. Uh, there's kind of conflicting information out there. I know Eichel said he's hoping to be ready to go in the Olympics. Uh, Friedman, uh, that's what he told Elliot Friedman. There were also reports out today that it might be closer to March or, or even April. Um, so I guess where I want to start here, as, as I'm sure everyone else does, is what are our thoughts on Eichel rest of season, Lewis? I know we were talking last, last week about how he could be back in eight to ten weeks, but that seems to be an accelerated timeline based on uh, everything that we found out today. Yeah, mostly we've been hearing a lot of estimates like three months for recovery time. Um, what I think is going to be interesting to sort of follow uh, will be, yeah, which of these timelines is kind of more accurate. When I was making my guess, uh, when we talked last time, I was thinking, you know, I wasn't expecting the trade to come along quite so fast. Obviously, maybe that accelerates things a little bit. And, you know, who knows? Hockey players are tough. They can recover fast. But with a neck thing, you know, you got to figure they'll want to take it slow. I'm very curious about this Olympics idea um, because you have to imagine that Eichel would have cleared that with Vegas before sort of, you know, uh, this this next sort of step, like made it clear that he was hoping to play in the Olympics and hopefully got the OK. But yeah, it, whether or not he will be healthy enough to do that, uh, I think, is an interesting question. Um, you know, if I I do hold Eichel in a keeper, um, it was a keeper where I felt pretty secure about hanging on him in an IR slot all season. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. And I think other keeper owners should be too. The idea of Eichel with stone and Pacioretty, uh, is very appealing. That could be one heck of a good top line. Lewis, you're getting lost. I said, what do you think about Eichel rest of this season? And you, you're gone on a whole tangent. What do, tell me about this right. year. I want to know, I want to start with the beginning. You're right. I'm sorry. It's very exciting. And I am losing my focus just a little bit here. So I think that we should be cautiously optimistic for the rest of the season. The one thing that has me a little bit concerned here is the fact that we're looking at Vegas right now 
uh, with a serious cap crunch. Like the question about how Eichel is going to fit into the lineup is very much up in the air. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not a contract expert. You know, I'm learning a lot of this stuff as we, you know, find out how it goes. But I think that it may be a situation where it's challenging to get him into the lineup if they're going to be under the cap. They may have to move some folks or else. They may try to do a Tampa and just say, oh, you know, he's still recovering. He's still on long-term injured reserve. Oh, it's the playoffs. He's ready to go. Um, I don't know if you can fool the league twice in that particular way. People were pretty chuffed about uh, how Tampa handled that. So that, I think, remains to be seen. I, you know, given the timeline that they have shared, which sounds like maybe end of February, early March, um, potentially, you know, in a best case scenario, I think that's got to be quite exciting for anyone who picked him up because they are going to return some value. So, are you are you th- saying though that you then you think he's going to be good when he comes back? That's what I'm. That's what I guess I'm. I'm trying to get at is: do we think that Jack Eichel, if he does return, you know, in in February or March, you think he'll be you know worth the first round pick or or be playing at a first round pick level? That's a really good question. It sounds like he has been skating and keeping up his workout routine, which obviously is the kind of thing that you want to hear. So I like to see that. I don't think he's forgotten how to play hockey. So I, 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 I don't know if he's going to be, you know, a top 14 player like that first round pick would indicate. Um, but I think that he has the potential to be on a line with extremely skilled teammates on a power play that has really struggled, but has never really been at full strength so far this season. So yeah, I think that he could be in the, you know, if things turn out well in a best case scenario here, I think he could be a really outstanding uh, late season addition if he gets in during the regular season, which is what counts for fantasy. So I do think if it comes down to what the cap hit is, I don't think I'm that worried about them trying to fit Eichel in because if you're Vegas, you have Stanley Cup aspirations, you're not trying to get him to find his legs first time playing hockey in like 18 months. You're not trying to throw him in uh, in the middle of the playoffs and be like, all right, figure out your chemistry. Let's go from here. I, I think that if anything, they're going to go out of their way to find find the cap space to get him in. I could see them even holding out um, uh, a Mark Stone, who apparently has been having some back issues. I could see him missing more time if it came down to having to decide who to get in the lineup. Because if you're if you're uh, Pete DeBoer, if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, then your your number one goal heading into the playoffs, assuming you can make it, which I you know I cast some doubt on the in on the Tuesday night show. I'm not feeling incredibly optimistic about Vegas, but I definitely am a little bit nervous about Jack Eichel if I'm Vegas because I need to make sure that that's our that's our shot right that's our that's the ceiling that's our our rocket ship shooting off towards the finals, and I've got to hope that Jack Eichel is is ready to play once the playoffs hit. So I wouldn't be too worried about him getting held out long-term. Uh, I definitely would be wondering, or I definitely am wondering who they're going to have to cut, who will be the cap casualty. Um, you know, if if I'm looking at this team, and there's been a lot of folks, it's basically just guaranteed. Everyone's like, wow, can't wait to see Stone, Pacioretty, and Eichel. And I think that's obviously an exciting concept. Like it sounds like an Olympic team line. Like it, it, it's an incredible, uh, incredibly talented line. But if I were coaching Vegas, I actually would not really be trying to put out that that death lineup that that like Golden State Warriors level, like top three uh, forwards in the in the division level lineup. 
I would instead, you know, I'm looking at this team. I see Chandler Stevenson on this line with Pacioretty and Stone, and they're getting incredible performances out of those two superstars. They're already one of the top five lines in the league. And I think the one thing that people tend to... I think a fallacy that tends to pop up is that people see a line like this. That, let me use the example of Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall wins an MVP, and then uh, a few, you know, a couple of tough years, he he gets traded to Arizona. Nothing really pops off there, and then he gets he signs with Buffalo in the offseason, and everyone thinks, all right, well, Taylor Hall, ninety-five point guy, Jack Eichel, ninety, hundred point guy. You put these guys together, one hundred and fifteen points it could be, and. I just don't know how high the ceiling can be. How many points could Stone and Pacioretty really get? I mean, they're already getting like 60 to 65% expected goals for. If I'm Vegas, I'm looking at my lineup and saying Chandler Stevenson is already doing so much in that is already doing well beyond what my expectations were as, as that uh, the center of that top line. I would instead be putting Eichel between Marcia So and Riley Smith and trying to get two lines that are equally dangerous. And I think that we've really seen a guy like Jonathan Marcia So, a guy we know is a, a star in the league. His his production has really slowed down over the last few years. Carlson and Riley Smith have not been um, have not really hit the heights that they did in Vegas's inaugural season. So I know that everyone's all excited about this, you know, this Olympics level line, but I want to see. Jack Eichel on line two. I, I think you keep that top line together. That's just me, though. Interesting. I spread the wealth guy. Uh, we saw Alex Petrangelo come out and say, you know, I think it was a very, a very team first statement, you know. Oh, you know, we're very excited to have Jack here. We don't know where he'll slot into the lineup exactly. We've been getting so much from Chandler and uh, Nicholas Waugh and, that's, you know. Uh, I, I thought it was an interesting little statement. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think in either case, obviously, it's going to be a nice upgrade from what he was dealing with in Buffalo. Uh, and, and you know, one thing that is maybe getting overlooked somewhat is I'm just really glad that Eichel is going to A, be able to get the surgery of his choice, which he believes will provide him better quality of life during and after his career. And he's just been kind of hanging out like in pain for months trying to get the surgery that he wants. And I think that really stinks. Um, and I'm pleased that he's gonna, you know, be on the road to recovery sooner rather than later. I think that's excellent. Yeah, it's really nice to see. Uh, I really don't understand that move from the Pegula side of things. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, but let's jump over to Buffalo, actually, because I do think there's some interesting ramifications here. We see Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck heading over to uh, Buffalo. Krebs immediately sent down to Rochester. Kevin Adams says he wants to be patient with the very recent first round pick. So we don't see any immediate reinforcements for the Sabres. Uh, Darren Dreger reported today that Tuck could be back in about a month or a little more. I'm wondering if you think this moves the needle for any of Buffalo's current crop. I mean, this is a team everyone's kind of uh, still in the, wow, how are they doing this? I don't really understand how va how Buffalo is able to to have such a strong start to the season. I think they're 5-3-1 and one before tonight's game. Um, and they're doing that with Jeff Skinner, Dylan Cousins, and Vinny Henestrosa. Rasmus Asplund, Tage Thompson, and Victor Olofsson in their top six. They are expecting Casey Middlesex back soon, and Victor Olofsson's been injured. I'm, I'm just curious, you know, Donnie Meatballs, Don Granado, has this team rocking an above 50% expected goals for percentage. Do we think that, uh, that Alex Tuck makes a splash on this team? So, first off, I 
think we also maybe should have a little bit of caution because I also heard some people saying talk could be as long as after the Olympic break. So it does seem like opinions are kind of split on that. Was that rep- Obviously. was that today? I, that's what I saw today. Uh, oh wow! Spots, but uh, okay, I may be mistaken. I could double check, but at any rate, um, yeah, it may be a bit of a slower return than maybe we think. Uh, but you know, I, I look at that lineup, and and Hinnestroza seems like someone who could potentially move down. I know what you're saying with a with a you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But a month is quite a long time. I think we could see uh, some of this start to catch up with Buffalo. How many seasons have we seen Buffalo come out really strong? And then fade as things go on. So uh, I'm not I'm not really buying this so much. I think I um, you know I'm looking to see uh, if if you know if there's anything that seems like they could get a boost from having Tuck in that top six. Um, and then maybe you know I look at the power play and maybe Asplund is a guy who could be moved down potentially. Hinnestros at even strength um, could be places where Tuck ends up. Ooh, I like Rasmus Asplund quite a bit. I'm not a I'm not a Hinnestroza guy, and I really don't like Tage Thompson. So that's uh, those are the guys that I would I would want to be moving down, especially when Middlestack comes back and can take over in the middle of Olafson and Asplund. But Alex Tuck is a guy who I've always really liked in Vegas. He's like an incredible. I, I think I've said this on the pod before, but he's like one of those guys who, when you put him in the bottom six, he can just create offense on his own. And this, what a perfect spot for him to go on a team where there's there's no one else to produce offense. So not only is he going to get that opportunity, he's going to be the only he's going to be put in the situation where he's going to be able to drive a line. It, he reminds me a bit of a, an Anthony Mantha, um, where hopefully he can he'll lock down some of the deployment that we we could see the point totals start to tick up on. But overall, I, I am excited to see where Alex Tuck fits in. I'm disappointed to hear that there's conflicting reports and that he might be out a bit longer than was originally anticipated. The way you describe that move to Buffalo, it almost sounds like a monkey's paw wish that he made. Like, oh, I wish I could be on a team where I could really carry some offense. And they're like, all right, we'll take you where there's no offense, whatever. <laughs> um Talking about the the return in general, you know, I think it's fine. Um, there was a lot of underwhelmed reaction online. I think a lot of that may have been a result of a now widely discredited Calgary offer that may have altered people's expectations. Folks saying, oh, well, why would you take Krebs when you could have had Maddie Kachuk? And folks are denying that that was ever on the table. You know, who knows? Everybody's got, you know, PR people whispering in their ears. So uh, whether it was for real or not really is is kind of unknown. But um Talking about Krebs, Dabra Prospects has him uh, as a guy with, you know, the potential for 85-point upside. Uh, Cam Robinson on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Robinson, uh, a great prospect follow, calls him an A prospect on the cusp of big things. Uh, so, you know, I think it's good for them to get a player like that. Maybe it's a good idea to, um, you know, keep him out of, uh, you know, off of the team at the NHL level for right now, especially if things might, you know, again, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if things do go haywire, uh, that might not be the best situation to kind of bring him up. Um, although I did see also, uh, Mike Clifford, Slim Cliffy, uh, who co-hosted the tier one auction draft was talking about, wouldn't you be a little bit concerned if the first thing you do with the crown jewel of your, you know, uh, mega player trade uh, immediately gets sent down. So there are certainly some people who are worried. Uh, the first round pick was expected. We talked about Tuck already. Um, you know, uh, 
the one thing that kind of stands out is that Dave Pagnotta on, on Twitter said that the deal was very similar to one that was tabled in the summer. I just find it a bit unfortunate that they couldn't make that happen, that, you know, probably Buffalo is holding out to try to get a better offer. Um, Eichel could have gotten the carry wanted sooner. He could, you know, especially if this was going to be the return, he could potentially be playing right now uh, if things had gone a little bit differently. But, you know, a decent return for Buffalo uh, that I think was, you know, uh, opinions were affected by some potentially inaccurate information. You know, they they brought back some quality pieces from a very disgruntled player. Maybe they shouldn't have, you know, made him so disgruntled in the first place with this battle over his neck injury. But that's where they found themselves. and They're trying to make the best of a bad situation. Uh, and I think both teams ultimately will benefit. All right, Lewis, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about an injury in Nashville and a power play genius in Colorado. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, why don't you take us down to Nashville? All right, well, this was one that nobody likes to see. Philip Forsberg is week to week with an upper body injury. He's going to go to IR and keep him out for uh, at least that period, and then we'll kind of see how things go from there. You know, this feels like one of those hurts everybody injury. Um, but, you know, it's worth pointing out Luke Coonan was the guy who got onto the top line with uh, Duchesne and Grandland uh, on that line that has been doing some nice things for Nashville so far this season. Sometimes Grandland swapping with Johansson. Uh, they drove play to the tune of 58% of shot attempts while they were on the ice, uh, though they were outscored 2-1 to one in that time, you know, uh, playing against the Oilers, that'll happen to you sometimes. Uh, Kunin did manage to grab an assist. Uh, we also saw Ely Tolvanen, uh, who is currently enjoying a nine-game pointless streak. He did get onto that top power play. He did not factor into Nashville's power play goal. Uh, I'm not super interested in either of them, but it obviously is an improvement. And if you're in a deep league where somebody getting top line minutes or top power play deployment, you know, is a rare find, you might think about grabbing them. If you're in a hits league, uh, we saw Kunin provide five and Tolvin in six. Those were season highs for both. So I wouldn't expect that kind of production. Uh, Kunin is the more reliable one in that category if you're looking for a guy with hits. And it's worth pointing out, Matt Duchesne is still available in two-thirds of Yahoo leagues. Now, that's probably not two-thirds of active leagues that are actually working, but that's still pretty low. Uh, he's pacing for 74 points. That's probably unsustainable, and certainly losing Forsberg, I think, is going to slow that down a little bit. But, you know, I might consider grabbing him off of the wire. You know, he's going to be a more... Uh, uh, he's going to have a greater focus of the offense put upon him with Forsberg out. Um, so that may help counteract a little bit uh, some of the problems that they're having. So that's a guy that I would definitely consider go out and grab from the waiver wire if he is there in your league and you've got space for him. You would consider grabbing Matt Duchesne. Well, I did grab Matt Duchesne. I mean, I'm oh. saying that you're, I feel like you're couching a lot of your, I don't know why you're, you're hedging your bets some, a bit tonight. It's like Matt Duchesne is a guy who's on pace for 74 points, shooting three and a half shots per game, and he's playing almost 20 minutes a night, including the highest percentage of power play time that he's seen since he was in Ottawa. I, I, if Matt Duchesne is on your waiver wire, I think that you probably, it might be a draw, like pause the pod at this point. Hey, all right. Well, I love the enthusiasm. You know, I, I don't want to always have it be talk about my team kind of thing. So I think sometimes <laughs> when I'm talking about players that I own or that I've picked up, uh, I do hedge a little bit. So I appreciate uh, the Duchesne enthusiasm. And I agree. Go out and get him. He's in a prime spot. And hey, if Forsberg's only out a week or two, you know, he's going to have a very reliable line mate coming back as well. I feel like week to week, we could probably expect Forsberg two to four weeks, right? Like that seems like a much more realistic 
uh, timeline. Anyway, um, I'm going to hop over to New Jersey. We'll talk about Dougie Hamilton, who appears to be day to day. But the reason I wanted to bring this up, he left he left their uh, Tuesday night game with an injury. And the Devils tried two different looks on the top power play unit. They tried Ty Smith and they tried P.K. Subban up there. Uh, I personally would much rather see Ty Smith get that shot, and I, I think that he ha- he offers an interesting upside, at least. I think that P.K. Subban, I think we can admit P.K. Subban, his best days are behind him. But uh, I just, I'm curious to see, and I, I'm keeping my eye on the New Jersey Devils practice lines tomorrow, because I think Ty Smith might be a really interesting stream while Dougie Hamilton is out of action. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, formerly moribund offenses that have gotten real exciting lately, I want to go to Anaheim. This was a team that really went off right after we finished recording on Tuesday. So we didn't have the chance to kind of get to talk about how exciting they were. But uh, over the last four games, this new line one in Anaheim. Ryan Getzlaff with a goal, five assists, and 13 shots in the last four games. He went up 18% on Yahoo today. Troy Terry with five goals, zero assists, 11 shots in the last four games, up 31% in Yahoo. And Adam Henrique, three goals, two assists, and 15 shots over the last four games, up 38% ownership in Yahoo. Are the Ducks fun again? I really didn't see this kind of offensive excitement coming from Anaheim. So it's really cool to see, you know, these two kind of cagey vets and the exciting youngster uh, really making some progress. I know a lot of people hope to see uh, Zegris maybe take on this role, but he's uh, mostly just been kind of getting beat up over the last few games. Uh, Anyway, uh, look, Terry especially is going to cool off. He's got 100% points participation, which is not super surprising when you're scoring all the goals. Uh, but that will fall over the course of the season. He won't keep shooting 28% at even strength either. Um, but that participation score, you know, like I said, it's not buoyed by a bunch of secondary assists when he's scoring the goals. Uh, and I think at least as long as they are remaining hot and they have this excellent chemistry, there's no reason not to jump on these guys. Uh, I was thinking about some players who were on a bit of a cold streak here and certainly would have been drafted ahead of pretty much anybody on this list. Uh, I know Tom Wilson scored uh, here on Thursday, uh, and that obviously the final result is still pending. But would you consider dropping someone like a Wilson, a Buchnevich, a Hintz uh, for one of these three top-line ducks? And, And what is your order of preference? Uh, well, I wouldn't drop Tom Wilson. I mean, I think he's got like eight points in 10 games or something. So I, I'm, I'd be pretty happy with Tom Wilson if I had him. Uh, Rope Hintz is a really interesting player because of the cold streak. Um, he was a guy who I thought was being overdrafted everywhere. And, uh, you know, obviously he has been... A, a real disappointment so far. I think was started nine games without a point or one point through his first nine games. But what I really like to see from Rope Hints is that he's been over 18 minutes a game, three of the last four. Ever since Jason Robertson comes back, it looks like they might be leaning a bit more on that that top line of Hints, Pavelski, and Robertson that uh, dominated last year. So I, I'm hopeful that we see a lot more of Rope Hints, and if that's the case, then I, I'm probably holding on for now because I think that the upside is high, and I have a reason to think that there could be a bounce back. Uh, Butchnevik is a guy who I talked about in the Keeping Carlson Discord today. Uh, because people are uh, understandably disappointed. You know, you look at the box car, box scores, uh, two points, six games played, average time on ice, about 14 minutes a night, huge downgrade for him, um, worst time on ice since his rookie season. But in fairness, I mean, 
I would say that he's probably going to level out more in the 16-minute range. This is quite skewed because he was kicked out of that Arizona game and then suspended for two games uh, in the second game of the season. So he only skated for four minutes then. Uh, Other than that, he's only been under 15 minutes once in five full games. So I'm not as worried about Buchnevic as the, you know, having just two points in his first six games. That doesn't super scare me. You know, like good players have stretches like that. It's just they're not usually right at the beginning of the season. So they they don't freak us out quite as much. But I probably would drop Buchnevic for Terry or Henrique. I mean, Getzlav is hot too, but I just I think that with the... Those are the two guys who I, I just am more excited about the hot stick. I, I want to get those guys who are scoring goals. So Terry and Henrique, I'd, I, I'd probably give a stream, assuming that Buchnevic is the worst player on my roster. I'm not in a super deep league where Buchnevic is, uh, you know, one of my mid-level guys. And I would he would be my choice to stream out of the three that you mentioned. I think we got one more guy we got to talk about, a very exciting development in Colorado, although possibly temporary. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with our guy, Bowen Byram. Well, yeah, Lewis, on Tuesday, we talked about how Sam Girard was likely to get a shot on the Avalanche top power play as Kale McCarr went down. And our good pal Elon even went out and added Girard to his Kakupful team sight unseen. And then we get the news from practice on Wednesday that actually... Bowen Byram, recent third overall pick, is skating in the top line or the top power play spot in McCarr's stead. And Bowen Byram goes off on Wednesday night, two goals and an assist, an incredible performance. Unfortunately, just like I said uh, last Tuesday about Gerard, I'm it's it's too early for me to get excited about Bowen Byram, and the reason for that is again the schedule in Colorado. They, they play just once more this week. They play twice next week, and then twice again the following week. Four or five games, I guess, between now and the 22nd. The uh, the news on Kale is that he could be back at the earliest next Thursday, which doesn't sound too promising. We've seen Kale miss time. He, he struggled last year to get back on the ice when he went down with injuries, and it would be this sort of same thing of, oh, he's day-to-day, and then it's, oh, yeah, we'll hopefully get him back next week, and then it's two weeks later, and you're like, okay, now he's back. So hopefully this isn't a trend that we continue to see with Makar. But basically, I'm just um, I'm I'm interested in Byfield or sorry in Byram, excuse me, as when he plays. It's just a matter of if he fits onto your team because it's going to be hard to carry him six or seven days in a row without a game. Yeah, he is starting to get a little bit of a reputation as a Band-Aid boy, and that could be concerning because if Byram can really step in and capably fill that spot, you know he does. Uh, have the chance potentially of getting Wally pipped. We mentioned that last week as well, Uh, but I always love to bring that up. Yeah. So, and it's something interesting, certainly worth watching. Uh, If I can make one little addendum here, just one extra bit of news. We did see Sergei Bobrovsky leave the game against Washington after making all 13 saves that he faced. Uh, He is out with an upper body injury and unlikely to return. Uh, So keep an eye out on Spencer Knight. Obviously, Florida is a great team to play behind. We saw Knight uh, produce really admirably um, late in the season last year. Uh, So just something to keep an eye on. Maybe scan your waiver wire and see if that is a guy who is available. uh, Because if Bobrovsky misses any significant time, and he's been known to do that, uh, this could really be a great opportunity for Knight. Not great tonight. Uh, but you know he was he was thrown in cold uh, unexpectedly, so I don't want to hold that against him too much. 
That's right, Lewis. That's all we got tonight. Why don't you uh, walk us out of here? All right. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us. Be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. Uh, Brian and Elon, of course, are at Keeping Carlson. Dave Benton of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Uh, please visit and patronize the sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural, Stat Trick, and Cacupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. Short.